Welcome to AMDA On The Go, your gateway to expert discussions, journal article reviews, and innovations in post-acute and long-term care. AMDA On The Go is a presentation of AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. Statements made by guests on the podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the position of the society. A speaker's appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them, their views, or any entity they represent. This podcast is eligible for ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits. Details will be provided at the end of this podcast. This episode of AMDA on the Go features guest host, Dr. Wayne Saltzman. Welcome to AMDA on the Go. This podcast focuses on the Serious Illness Toolkit, a new resource meant to facilitate communication around advanced care planning, palliative care, and hospice. We convey information from source to recipient. We communicate continuously. This modality of to and fro is a process that we are nurtured through with advancing levels of sophistication. Over time, we learn how to clarify an issue, seal a deal, educate, or conduct a podcast. We often leave a discussion with the impression of the caliber of an individual as a communicator, or more fundamentally, as a listener. I think that folks have the common impression or assumption that physicians and others in healthcare are inherently good communicators. I mean, you know, we are talking about life and death issues, right? What could be more important and naturally require the best in communication skills? So it was somewhat of a blow to many of us in healthcare when in 2019, Dr. Kerry Phillips and others published Physicians Interrupting Patients in the Journal of General Internal Medicine in which they found that physicians interrupted patients after a meeting of 11 seconds or allowed a patient to speak without interruption for only six seconds. Obviously, it led to the question how a patient's story or concern or information in general could ever be conveyed well when the ability to communicate with a healthcare professional was so compromised. Now let's compound the issue around the times when we're talking about understanding and appreciating patients' wishes and goals for care. Can healthcare providers be nurtured into communicating effectively with patients, families, and caregivers when illness may be life-determining and when modalities of curative care are no longer so clear under the added pressures of time constraints, electronic medical records, and documentation demands in an environment rich in stress and anxiety? Well, Dr. Anthony Back and Dr. Marion Grant, two individuals who have dedicated their careers to optimizing communication in healthcare, believe that we can, and they have created, with the help of others, a toolkit for effective communication around serious illness, a toolkit that needs to be celebrated. And as luck would have it, we are fortunate to have Drs. Back and Grant with us now to talk about their program, the Serious Illness Toolkit. Dr. Anthony Beck is a professor of medicine at the University of Washington School of Medicine and co-founder of Vital Talk. Dr. Marion Grant is a palliative care nurse practitioner who is also a policy and marketing consultant for palliative care organizations. Drs. Beck and Grant, it is my pleasure to welcome you both to AMDA On The Go. Thank you. It's great to be here. Doctors Beck and Grant, I typically like to start with somewhat of a historical framework to set the tone for our discussion. 
I have found that the appreciation for a new program or process is only enhanced through an understanding of those that dedicate their time and expertise towards developing it. As I mentioned, you have both spent your careers dedicated to optimizing communication in the care of those with serious illness or at the end of life from health policy to humanism. Many, many questions to start. Please tell us a bit about your journeys, how affiliates from the University of Washington and University of Maryland came together, brought in the likes of the Center to Advance Palliative Care, or CAPSI, the Mass Coalition of Serious Illness, National Pulsed, Vital Talk, and the Coalition to Transform Advanced Care, um, as well as solicited input from nearly 30 expert contributors to create this toolkit. What did you see as the need for this toolkit? What enticed the John A. Hartford Foundation and the Cambria Health Foundation to support the endeavor? And what were the challenges of bringing the toolkit to fruition? Lots of stuff to start with. Yeah, um, that is a great question. And I will take a crack at this first, and then I will pass it over to uh, Dr. Grant. Um, you know, as a young oncologist, I still remember following these, you know, super famous people around having these life-determining conversations with patients and really being puzzled by them. Like, is this really how you do it? And as I got to being uh, an attending myself, I came to realize that actually nobody knew and there was really no instruction. And I was kind of out on a, a limb uh, by myself, it felt like. And so that's what led me into a career trying to understand how oncologists and patients talk to each other first, and then more broadly, how we talk to, we clinicians talk to patients of many different illness types about what it means to face their own mortality, um, to deal with changes in their bodies, to to start to confront dying. Um, and that got me into starting Vital Talk, which um, you may know is a whole system for thinking about the communication between clinician and patient in a serious illness. Right. Then um, I uh, led a think tank about the future of palliative care a few years ago. And one of the things that came out of that, that really changed my perspective on the field was learning that the way the public sees palliative care is first totally an unknown. And then for the few people who knew about what palliative care is, that they had this misconception that it would should be reserved for when you know you're dying. And of course, as somebody who's you know, developed palliative care services and worked with long-term care facilities and talked to families in transition, um, you know, that's not helpful. And so as I uh, started this new project, um, which is when I joined forces with Marion, we looked at all the empirical research that addressed public perception. So this is not people who are patients yet. This is the general public. And we looked at, you know, what do they know about advanced care planning and um, palliative care and hospice? And I have to say, I was really shocked. And one of the shocking things was that the public level of knowledge about palliative care has not improved over the past 10 years. So no. even while we have been incredibly successful um, getting palliative care services into hospitals, making this an option within our acute care settings, extending that kind of care to long-term care facilities, uh, we have been spectacularly unsuccessful 
Hmm. in getting the public to know what we actually mean. And so that's the reason for the toolkit. And I think I'm going to hand it to you here, Marion, because you have another uh, dimension to this story. I do, Tony. Thank you. And, and thank you so much for having us on the podcast, Wayne. We very much appreciate it. So I have a very different path to, to being on this project. I am a, I, I say to, I am a second career nurse. My first degree was in mass communications, and I spent 20 years at the Procter & Gamble company um, doing media and then marketing. I was a brand manager on the, uh, eventually on the CoverGirl and Max Factor businesses. <laughs> and I had a, a midlife crisis um, because I ended up being a, a hospice volunteer at an AIDS hospice, which was amazing and certainly more meaningful than working on the lipstick business. And I, I, I left the corporate world. I went to nursing school. I ended up becoming a palliative care nurse practitioner. And all along, I, I had these marketing skills and I you know, occasionally would get the chance to, to do advocacy. But... It was only when I did a health policy fellowship with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, um, where I worked it for a year in Washington on Capitol Hill and then for the administration and one of their agencies that I realized, oh, this is where the marketing and the clinical and the policy stuff comes all together. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, I have been working as a consultant for policy, but Tony and I were kind of pulled together in that think tank project and when there was funding from very generous funding from the John A. Hartford Foundation and the Cambia Health Foundation to do a project about specifically how do we talk about aspects of serious illness care to the public? Um, I was asked by Tony and, and the funders to join uh, as, as their marketing consultant. So I bring very much a consumer uh, marketing uh, background, um, which is very much focused on market research and trying to highlight in messaging to the public the things that are important to them. Um, I'm, I'm often um, amused that we talk in, in the medical field about educating the patient, but many of the times when we educate them, it's what we want them to know. Mm -hmm. It is not necessarily what is important to them and what they want to know. Yep. So um, this project has been wonderful because we've really focused on what is it the public wants to know about advanced care planning or hospice or palliative care. And what about those things is important to them that we should feature in our messaging. And the toolkit focuses very much on that. Hmm. I love how you've brought clinical to the community. Uh, I think that's what it's all about. This is a wonderful, wonderful historical summary. Thank you so much for that. You know, as a segue, and now let's get into the meat of it. I want to learn about this toolkit, more about it. How, how did you come to identify its central framework, the, the five principles? You know, you help the reader understand how vital language and approach is to messaging. How did you identify what works and what does not work in the most crucial aspects of healthcare communication, that of discussions around serious illness? How does it differ from work already in flight from groups like uh, Ariadne Lab's Serious Illness Project, um, Conversation Guide, or the Conversation Project, Five Wishes? There are a variety out there. You know, was it, it evidence, consensus, gut impressions, all the above that led you to the considerations for the, uh, instead of this, 
do this, which I love. Uh, and most amazingly, you provide information that one can steal in quotes. There's nothing proprietary in this toolkit, which itself is a powerful message to the reader and different from what other groups do. Why was it important, the last part of the question, to you both that this information be free to use? Marion, do you want to take a first crack at this? I would be happy to. So when we got together in, in, the, in the previous grant that funded the toolkit, we brought together leading organizations in, in the serious illness care field. So these are palliative care organizations, advanced care planning, hospice organizations. And we jointly agreed that we were going to focus on better messaging to the public about what it, it was we did, but that it was un unlikely that we were going to start with specific phrases, you know, headlines or taglines that everybody was going to use. What we agreed instead was that what we should come up with were messaging principles based on evidence that could then be applied to everybody's situation so that a hospice organization could use the principles to talk about the work they did. And the Conversation Project, which was one of our organizations, could use the principles to talk about what they did. And so we we uh, it was it was a collaborative process. And then we did several rounds of consumer research. We did a, a focus groups where we we kind of tested the principles. Um, and, you know, we just went back and forth until we finally narrowed down on the five um, which are in the toolkit. And I will send you to the toolkit to look at them. But that that was the origin of that framework. And I would say that um, the, the toolkit really is aiming for helping people who are doing messaging to the public. So it is not the, quite the same thing as what Ariadne is doing with their serious illness conversation project. Um, a little bit more like what the conversation project is doing since they're talking about advanced care planning to the public. You know, I will... Um add that uh, as I started to get into this research, um, I was kind of stunned at about how different the public is from patients. Like I'm a doctor. I thought I'm one of the public. The patients are like the public. This should all be the same thing. And when I started to look at the research, I was actually kind of amazed at how differently the general public sees things than in the literature that I knew well about um, patients who have cancer or some other serious illness. And so a couple of the things that really stood out for me was that, um, for example, advanced care planning, palliative care, and hospice, on one hand, they're all kind of a continuum of care, and we would all want our patients and our families and our friends to be offered exactly the right service at exactly the right time and have it be smooth and continuous and seamless, right? However, when you talk to the public about what do they know about these things, it's three entirely different situations, right? So the public, the way they view advanced care planning is most of them have heard of it, like 80%. Only about a third of them, though, have actually done any part of it, right? And then the people who know about it that haven't done it, they don't want to do it. So the thing that I had always heard was we just have to keep telling more people about advanced care planning and how great it is. And what this research makes very clear, and there's a decade's worth of research. This is research that involves 10,000 people, right? Like 
that there's a, a large group of people that actually doesn't want to do palliative care for a whole variety of reasons. So when we message them, like, you just need to know what it is, this is, we're not getting to the heart of the problem at all, right? Palliative care, by contrast, has an entirely different messaging problem. Nobody knows what palliative care is in the general public. 75% of people who are presented with the term palliative care in a national survey, like they can't even rate how favorably they feel towards it because they have no idea what it is, right? So there's a huge like just blank spot there. And so that when we talk about how great palliative care is, how it involves these different disciplines, how it's, you know, it gives you X, Y, and Z, the public is like, wait a minute, what are you talking about, right? Are you talking about Walmart or McDonald's or Coke? Or what are you talking about, right? So that's, and, and the few people who do, think they know what palliative care is in the general public, they have it all wrong. They think it's just for dying people, right? Um, and they think, of course, they don't want to talk about that. Then finally, hospice has an entirely, again, different messaging problem, right? 85% of people know what hospice is, and they know it's for dying people. Um, but there is a pretty significant um, subgroup of people, and this was even before the ProPublica article, that think hospice is actually speeding up death. That hospice comes in, they hook people up to morphine drips, they turn up the morphine, and you know it helps people die quicker. And uh, the focus groups that Marion was talking about um, illustrated all these points in like Technicolor. I mean, I was watching them open mouthed just mortified at how many people how commonplace it was that people thought a oh, hospice speeds up death the nurse told me so right we heard several people talk about that uh that people said well what's palliative care isn't it a do not resuscitate order right uh, or advanced care planning i've never heard of that term the, the the focus group moderator actually said to us after a couple of focus groups have you guys noticed that not one single person has used the term advanced care planning and he was right. We look back at the transcripts. Nobody, nobody uses that term. So it just made us realize that there is a huge need for a way to the talk to the public that is actually separate from the way that we clinicians talk to patients. And we have to stop talking about all the nitty gritty details, like what's the difference between palliative care and hospice. And what we have to start talking about is what are the benefits we have to tell stories about people who really did better because of their involvement with any of these services. We have to consider that when we talk about these different services, we are really talking about three different products and we need to figure out what we're talking about. And so I think in the long-term care space, I think one of the issues is if you're coming into long-term care, what did you come from? If you're going out of long-term care, where are you going? And I think um, I could imagine that for people who are really spending most of their clinical life in the long-term care space, that figuring out what your patient knows and how their family is thinking about these things, right? Because it's so often the family that's making these decisions. Um, I think the toolkit could be really helpful at helping clinicians locate where they are with a particular patient and family. And then when they're talking to the public on a podcast, at church, at a community group, to a journalist, to make sure that they make the best possible case for the service that they're talking about. Because when we let go of all the labels and just tell our focus group, 
participants stories about people who had a heart problem or had a stroke or had dementia or whatever, had cancer. The public is like, oh my God, I want that. They say things like, this sounds like a dream scenario, right? And we're talking about everyday palliative care services. We're talking about the stuff that your listeners are doing every day, multiple times a day. And yet the public still doesn't really know. So that's why this toolkit we think is a separate set of um, skills. And in some ways I'm starting to think about it as like a new communication competency. It's not giving bad news. It's like explaining to the public what we're really doing. In addition, um, one of the barriers that we are trying to get over is uh, having clinicians think, oh, I have to take another course. I have to pay for this thing. I don't have a copywriter. I don't have access to a creative agency. And so we came up uh, with messages that were written by professional copywriters and the messengers that we worked with to build this toolkit to give toolkit users a bunch of phrases, a bunch of messages that they can just use and adapt and plug into their talks, plug into their websites, plug into their brochures, because they provide tested ways that are on ramps to the real content that you want to get to, right? Because the, the issue now is grabbing people's attention. There's so much coming at everybody. You have to get the attention and get the interest of the pe people who are listening. And so that's what these messages do. They're like little introductions. They're little on-ramps. They're little hooks that get the public interested in hearing more. And they're free because otherwise we didn't think anybody would be able to um, develop their own. And um, we want to create for the field ways of talking about advanced care planning, about palliative care, about hospice in ways that are consistent across the field. Because if we as a as a small field could create consistent ways of talking about these services, the public will start to learn what they are. You know, I know that everybody, you know, wants to have their own service talked about in its unique ways and everybody has different kinds of cultural considerations because of their region but the reality is is we are a small enterprise in a big world of messaging and one of the things that we can do to increase our effectiveness in getting to the public is having a level of consistency about how we talk about advanced care planning how we talk about palliative care how we talk about hospice and we should also say that in addition to the headlines or the taglines or the brief uh, uh, phrases you can use, there are uh, we have purchased the rights to a number of photographs that are not your typical photographs that you see when you talk about aspects of serious illness. These show people that are uh, relatively, um, they are happy people. They are in uh, emotionally positive situations. They are enjoying their lives. Um, they are not supermodels. They look like real people, but you can use those as well. So, so you can download the, the phrases and you can download the images and use either of them and you don't have to pay copyright. I love the idea of consistent messaging. We are speaking with Dr. Anthony Beck and Dr. Marion Grant about the Serious Illness Toolkit. Dr. Beck and Dr. Grant, the central motivation or theme for the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine has always been what can we teach or discuss today that can be put into action by 
as I like to call them, our Joe Amdas in the trenches tomorrow. Once one accesses the toolkit at seriousillnessmessaging.org, it doesn't take long to realize the depth of information that is available. So, you know, where does one start? You know, the toolkit has five main categories, the five principles, steps to better messaging, advanced care planning, quick guide, hospice, quick guide, and palliative care quick guide, which, you know, which provide a, a focus. And it does have a reference section that is appropriately titled how to use this toolkit. But lead us through the best initial pathway as I'm thinking about our busy colleagues who need to triage their time that you want us to take to to learn and utilize this this information most effectively and, and with the greatest impact, you know, to start to change the public views, you know, and as you pointed out, 80% of folks know what advanced care planning is, but don't want to do it. Ugh. How do we use this toolkit to help us get beyond that seemingly very large hurdle? Yeah. Uh, great question. So, you know, my quick take on this is uh, that I think Re listeners and users should be really pragmatic. So um, if you're an AMDA member and you are trying to help write or edit like a brochure about what post-acute care is, I would go right to the section that is most like your situation, which might be palliative care, and use one of the headlines there to put at the top of your brochure about post-acute care, because the, the headline should be, do great at home, right? Recover really quickly, uh, get your family involved, have a good time while you're recovering, right? I mean, it should be stuff like that as opposed to here's what post-acute care is, da 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 the, the thing that I've learned from Marion and the marketers are that we need to start with what's the situation they want to be in when they get home, right? And, and so we have to look at that. And, and, and then I think your listeners can just pick and choose through the toolkit. You do not have to read this toolkit all the way through. It'll reference you back and forth to different sections. And honestly, you can pick and choose depending on how much time you have. Marion, what's your advice? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Tony. You know, this is not an academic exercise. We we wanted to make this uh, no offense to academic exercises, and I have enough initials behind my name to to to, to, to confirm I know how, what that's all about. But we really we thought, okay, somebody is um, my hospital. I have a colleague in my hospital. She's we have to we're revising the brochure for our palliative care program. I said, okay, so go to the palliative care page on the toolkit and, and look at the stuff that's there. And, and then, you know, yes, to Tony's point, go to the steal this message section and, and steal a couple of things. Um, you know, there, if, you're, if you're trying to do some kind of public presentation and you're looking for evidence, yes, we have evidence. And there's a, you know, there's a whole resource page where the studies are cited and some of the highlights are, are reviewed as well. It it's really depends on what you need. Um, and I think if people spend a little time on it, it might be, we hope it's engaging, but it will also be, to your point, Wayne, informative. You're going to see some uh, information there that you might think, oh, I didn't know I shouldn't say that. And it's not that you were a bad person for saying that. It, you were probably saying what everybody in the field says, but but we know that there are better ways to talk about aspects of the care uh, for the public. So use the toolkit however you need to. 
Yeah, honestly, if you, I, 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 t I totally take uh, Marion's point about academics. You know, academic medicine has been spectacularly unsuccessful at changing public perception, and that is because uh, we academics, and I speak for myself and a number of esteemed colleagues. Uh, don't know the body of knowledge that marketers are using every second of the day to grab our attention, right? And and it turns out there's really a method to it. It's not some one. It's not one genius copywriter. They have a method, and it starts with studying your target population. Like, what do they care about? What are they interested in? And you know, once you get that, you can look at this toolkit, and you could spend five minutes writing a better headline for your post-acute care brochure. You could spend five minutes figuring out how to start your talk to your community group. It is not something that you have to spend a huge amount of time doing, but if you go back to it again and again, you'll get to the different layers and you'll get better and better. And you will see public audiences becoming more engaged with you, right? Like we have evidence that the way we are talking about these services gets the public interested. And so I have no um, hesitation in promising that that's one of the results you were going to see. It'll make your work a lot more satisfying. Hmm. I love that. And I, I love how the toolkit and your explanation of the toolkit allows us to refocus on the public and what is important to the public and how can we explain these very, very important pieces of medical care to the public? I've been through the entire toolkit and um, I have to tell everyone, uh, I thought that I was pretty informed as a guy who does advanced care planning, um, does palliative care, does hospice for a living. And I learned so much about how to make my messaging better. Uh, Dutch is back, and uh, and Grant, thank you so very much for uh, spending your time with Amda on the go. We have been so privileged to speak with and learn from you, uh, and this serious toolkit is a wonderful resource. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. References for this podcast can be found at paltc.org backslash podcast. And again, the Serious Illness Toolkit can be accessed at www.seriousillnessmessaging.org. Until next time, I'm Dr. Wayne Saltzman for this innovation podcast that we call AMDA On The Go. If you are a physician interested in obtaining ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits for certification or recertification, visit PALTC.org slash podcast. Mm -hmm.